we've been talking about the Holy Spirit in our daily life. And I enjoyed it. Uh, we learned last week that the Holy Spirit's not the new guy. Uh, he wasn't born on the day of Pentecost. He always was. And I enjoyed looking back at the Old Testament. And I think most people don't deny that the Holy Spirit exists. They just deny him the right to speak. They know he exists, but they just forbid him to speak. So uh, the Apostle Paul said, don't, don't forbid people to speak in tongues. And so that's, I think that's in 1 Corinthians 14. And so it's something we want to study because we want to take the weirdness out of studying the Holy Spirit. If he's part of the, he is part of the Trinity, if he is God, then I want to be comfortable with who he is. Uh, the Old Testament's very plain that the Spirit came on people and would give them something to speak. That was what the prophets did, kings did, judges did. Uh, they simply spoke what the Holy Spirit said. So I guess my question tonight when I, when I was looking at this was, why would we think that ended? Why would that end when the Holy Spirit is poured out in the New Testament? Why would we think it ended that him speaking ended in the Old Testament. At just, you know, sometimes we just have to get street smart and go, okay, what has religion robbed me of? And why? Why, why would we be so afraid to study this subject? If the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, why would it not increase instead of, decrease. It just doesn't make sense to me. Why is it so controversial to talk about tongues? Well, I'm just going to be country with you. I, I think, first of all, it's just a really weird word. Tongues. I mean, who wants to talk about tongues? And I also believe it's because it's supernatural. It's supernatural, and it makes absolutely no sense to the carnal mind. It makes absolutely no sense to the carnal mind. And anytime we step out of the flesh into anything supernatural, we're going to meet resistance, not just with our own minds, but with the minds of other people and the thoughts of other people. And I want to just make this real simple tonight, as simple as I know how to put it in case we have anybody new who's been concerned about that word. First of all, tongues is not the Holy Spirit. It's referred to as the language of the Holy Spirit. And so it just, it's simply his language. And when you look up that word, tongues, that's used in the scripture, uh, the Greek word for it is G-L-O-S-S-A. Phonically, we would say glossa. I think it's actually glossa or something like that in the Greek, but I don't speak Greek and you probably don't either. So um, it's where we get the word glossary. And it means language. And it goes a step further in the Greek concordance, and it says one naturally unacquired. One naturally unacquired. So this isn't just like a second language, like I am native speaking English, and I also learned, I, I didn't, by the way, so don't try to speak Spanish to me. 
you know, but a lot of people sec- have a second language, French or Spanish, but this, that are naturally acquired, learned. But this says a language, one naturally unacquired. And you'll often hear me uh, refer to it as my prayer language. So I just want to make sure in case I use that terminology that you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, we read this, this passage in Mark 16, if you want to turn there, in Sunday's message when we talked about the power of the name of Jesus. But I want to go back to it tonight and talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, in this passage, Jesus has been resurrected. He is walking the earth in those 40 days that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in here when we studied the infallible proofs of the, of the resurrection. And he is fixing to ascend to heaven. And in Mark 16, verse 17, Jesus says, And these signs shall follow who? Them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. So you can insert that definition of tongues in there, that they will speak with new languages that are not naturally acquired. So this is a sign, this is a sign that follows them that believe. Them that don't believe will not have this sign follow them. You don't have to. Now, I think somebody got really upset with me one time because I said, because they did not believe, because I said, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was simply saying, you need this. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be. If you're born again, your spirit is alive to God, and you're a child of God, and praise God. But if you come to a place where you feel there's something more, and at some point we'll study uh, do people who are born again receive the Holy Spirit when they get born again? We'll, we'll do a study on that. We'll go to the scriptures that talk about, uh, I think one of the apostles asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? That, and things that indicate that there is a second experience. Well, they don't indicate it. They say it. And we'll look at those at some point if we stay on this subject the way I think we're going to. Because I just think that a lot of people get filled with the Holy Spirit and they have no teaching about it. They don't know how to answer questions that their family might ask. And they don't even know how to answer questions that they have in their own head. And so we want to be knowledgeable in the scripture on the subject. This speaking of, of his language, it is supernatural. And it's a supernatural sign. But it does require your participation. Okay, and this is a big religious blunder when people are filled with the Holy Spirit is that you're going to be like possessed and the Holy Spirit's going to speak through you. If y'all hadn't learned this yet, know this. God's a gentleman. He doesn't force you to get saved. He's not going to force you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to force you uh, to speak in tongues. 
God is a gentleman. He loves that he gave us free will. That was his choice. He wants us to serve him because we want to serve him out of love and out of relationship. And so just know that it does require your participation. It requires your believing. We just read that, right? It requires our listening. And it requires our speaking. And this has become important when we talk about here in a little bit, which we may do it a little bit along the way if we feel that we need to. But I think a lot of people, when they ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak. Well, y'all, that'd just be plum spooky. That would be possession. I don't want to be possessed. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, not the possession of the Holy Spirit. And so it requires... You making the effort to speak. The Holy Spirit's not going to ventriloquist through your vocal cords. That, that would be spooky. I can understand why people would not want to lose control. But I was, I was re-watching uh, Robert Morris on uh, his teaching on the God I Never Knew. And he, he said, you know, you're not going to be walking in Kroger's one day in the produce section and suddenly run to the microphone to start speaking in tongues over the, because the Holy Spirit had, you know, it's, it's not like that. And so don't be afraid of God. This is God. Don't be afraid of God. He doesn't force us. He enables us. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. I really wanted to read Acts 1 and 2. So y'all can go back and read Acts 1 you remember when Jesus getting ready to leave the earth, he tells his followers, he said, I want y'all to go into the city. I want you to go to the upper room and, and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. He's been telling them about the Holy Spirit who's going to come, this part of the Godhead that's going to be with them when he leaves. He's not leaving them alone. He's sending the Holy Spirit. It's imperative. It's crucial. It's more important to them that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell with them. And in Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost, and Pentecost just means 50, okay? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I believe King James Version says, as he gave them utterance. Is that how that reads? As he gave them, he gave them utterance. He didn't make utterance. He didn't speak utterance. He gave them utterance. Verse 5, Now there were in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, I just love that. They heard Holy Spirit come into the earth. I mean, Wes, you know what it sounds like when you blow a trumpet. When we hear Phil Driscoll blow a trumpet around here, it's like, oh, it's captivating. They literally heard this wind come into the earth. I love to think about that. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. 
because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And utterly they were amazed, and they said, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Now, when Holy Spirit came in, his word that was sent out through them speaking in tongues was to the nations about God and Jesus Christ. We know this because thousands were saved that day. And they didn't even speak the same language as these guys. And so often people will ask me, well, are we speaking in other languages, uh, earth languages, when we speak in tongues? Possibly, if you needed to be. But otherwise, I think we can go on over to 1 Corinthians 13 and, and know that it was the, the tongues of men of angels. So it can be of men or it can be of angels. So another interesting thought here, boy. I don't know, I've got like six pages of notes tonight and I'm getting off track. Interesting thought is, and I heard uh, Robert Morris say this and it caught my attention. He said, you know, in the Old Testament we had the Tower of Babel where everyone was one language and it was very powerful. In fact, it was so powerful that God said, because they are of one mind and one language, there is nothing that they cannot accomplish. Let's confound their language because they were in rebellion. They wanted to build a name for themselves, it said. It wasn't to glorify God. They wanted to build a name for themselves. So they were, out of their rebellion, they had a common language, and it was very powerful. Now we have the Holy Spirit coming into the upper room where they are gathered in unity in one accord, the Scripture says, and we see God give them back a common language a one language that is powerful. And so that's just kind of an interesting comparison that you might want to do sometime. All right, where were we? In verse 9, he goes starts listing the nations uh, that are represented there. And then down to part B of verse 11 says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So that tells you what they were hearing them say. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what on earth? <laughs> what does this mean? And look, y'all, as we study this, don't, be, don't feel bad because if you've never been taught on this subject, that your brain's going, what on earth is she talking about? Because naturally, it doesn't make sense. Verse 13 says, some, however, made fun of them and said, they're drunk. These people are idiots. They're drunk. They've had too much wine. Now, they've seen a miracle. They heard this sound, and they've gathered because of what they heard. Then they see this miracle of these Galileans speaking their language. They're hearing and understanding what these people are saying in tongues, and it is glorifying and praising God, and yet... They do not believe. They made fun of them, and they said they're drunk. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. This is the guy who just said, I don't know Jesus. Out of fear, cowardness, denied Jesus three times. Where, did, where is this guy coming from? 
Oh, he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's just been in the upper room. He's just heard that sound come from heaven into the earth, and he has just spoken in tongues. And that boldness that I think we touched on a little bit last week is now inside of him. And he stands up to this crowd who's making fun of them, and he does not back down. He begins to address them. And he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you, and you listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So the prophet Joel's words, which you can go back and read, he is saying that this is the moment that that prophecy was about. I think we can all agree that this was a powerful moment in Christianity. Whether you believe in speaking in tongues now or not, this was a powerful moment in Christianity when he poured out into all the earth upon people. You know, last week we talked a little bit about the character of the Holy Spirit, and now he gives insight, he gives counsel, he gives courage, he gives knowledge, strength, giftings, judgments, and abilities. We talked about that. But why the language? I mean, he could have just swooped into the earth and been here. Why the language? That's really, we want to talk about the language tonight. Why the language? And we've taught this before. You may can add to this list. If you can, please make note of it so that we can talk about it afterwards because I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. But these are the ones that stand out to me on why what the scripture says that speaking in tongues does for the believer. Uh, number one, you're speaking to God and not to man. It's kind of like the hotline, if you will. You're speaking to God and not to man. 1 Corinthians 14 is a very interesting chapter. He starts kind of giving us some guidelines of when and where we're to speak in tongues, when we're to prophesy, and he's really uh, bringing the church kind of into correct order because I'm pretty sure it was pretty wild there for a while. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him, but he utters mysteries with his spirit. Right? Mysteries. That's a mysterious word. It means divine secrets. It means something above human intelligence. Things not obvious to the understanding. Hidden things. That means when, when you speak in tongues, you're speaking to men, you're speaking to God, not to men, and you are uttering mysteries with your spirit. Things that your head doesn't know. And you think, I, I sat there today in my office and I thought, why? <laughs> why would he need us to speak? If he's the only one that can understand what we're saying, why does he need us to speak these things? Because these are things he needs to be spoken. 
These are things he needs to be spoken in the earth. And you can, same reason the prophets would prophesy things, and they didn't understand what they were prophesying. What they were prophesying about Jesus, the prophets of old didn't know Jesus. He wasn't on the planet physically yet. And they would prophesy. You just think about what Isaiah prophesied. prophesied the crucifixion why would God have him release those words because God will do nothing the scripture says but that he will not reveal it through his prophets first because those words being released in the earth they're the catalyst for it happening so when you're speaking mysteries in the spirit if you're praying where's our intercessory prayer team Right? When y'all are back there a little bit ago, I'm sure praying in the Spirit, y'all may think you know what you're praying about. But I'm sure you're saying things that weren't revealed to you because God needs them said. He needs that power released in the earth. And when you think about that when you're praying in the Spirit, that's powerful. I mean, it's humbling. God needs you to release certain things through your words, divine secrets, something above your human intelligence, things not obvious to the understanding. The hidden things are being spoken through your spirit. Even things that we don't even have knowledge of yet can be prayed about before they happen. Instead of prayer being the after of a situation, through intercession and praying the spirit, prayer can go before the situation. Mm. That's good. Y'all may have more on that. We're going to go to number two. Okay, Write it down because I'm going to want to know it. I'll add it to my notes. When we speak in tongues, we pray the perfect will of God. This is one of my favorite things about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we pray in tongues... We are praying or speaking the perfect will of God. Romans 8, as you all know, or most of you know, that's where we find this in Romans 8, 26. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever just known something's going on with somebody but you weren't sure what it was? I love this because this takes away the possibility of us praying just off our suspicions. Because so many times I found out that what I thought was wrong with somebody was not the root that need to be dealt with. So he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that of words that, cannot, that words cannot express. I'm trying to go King James on you here. I'm reading out the NIV. For us with groans that words cannot express. And if you look that up, it means inarticulate speech. Words that cannot be expressed in articulate speech. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You can never pray wrong when you're praying in the Spirit. I don't know about y'all, but that's relief. You can never pray wrong when you're praying in the Spirit 
because he intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Always be God's will what you're praying when you're praying the Spirit. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things work together for good on those things that we're praying for in the Spirit because we know we're praying the perfect will of God in the situation. That scripture is often just taken out of context and means that whatever happens to us in life, it's great. Not so. <laughs> not so. You know, there's times that I do not need to pray from what I think I know. <laughs> there's times I don't need to pray from what I think I know. I, sometimes I pray if I do know, if somebody said, this is what's going on in my body or this is what's happening in my life, I, then I know I can address those things. But a lot of times I just kind of go off what I think I know. That doesn't, that doesn't do them any good. Sometimes I can't find the words in English that I need to express or release. There's just been times in life when I just didn't have any words. I didn't even know what to say. I just pray in the Spirit. I know I'm speaking what God wants spoken. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. So when I pray in my prayer language, what I know or don't know is taken out of the way. My feelings and my thoughts are not creating my prayer. My feelings and my thoughts are not creating the prayer. 1 Corinthians 14 again. There's a lot in there. Uh, let's go down to verse 14. I'll give you time to get there because you're probably still in Romans 8. Once again, this is the chapter that really gives us direction on our personal prayer life and our church prayer life. Public prayer life, I should say. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. When you need to get your head out of the way, your feelings out of the way, your thoughts out of the way, here you go. This is your answer right here. Because when my spirit prayeth, my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the spirit. I'll sing with the understanding also. I can do either one. I can do both. Not at the same time. But I can do both on any situation. And sometimes you may pray in the spirit and then know what to pray uh, in English. Sometimes you, you'll have a knowing of what's going on. You can start declaring some scriptures and that sort of thing. So I love 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Uh, our words and our, our tongue become a servant to the spirit. Verse 3, verse 3, huh, that's funny, number 3. When I pray in the Spirit, it edifies and encourages and it builds me up. How powerful is that? That I can encourage myself praying in the Spirit. That I can build myself up. Have you ever been through something where you couldn't tell somebody else or nobody else knew and nobody was there to build you up, nobody was there to encourage you or maybe you just burned a lot of bridges and you felt alone. 
you can build yourself up. You can build yourself up. When you're alone at night and, and the lonelies hit and the thoughts start coming, you can build yourself up. This comes from Jude 20. It's only one chapter, so it's Jude and verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, I think that's key, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. The, the Passion Translation says he is the divine encourager. I like that. And Jesus taught us that, that he was our comforter, uh, that the Holy Spirit was our comforter. He is the divine encourager. We can build up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I believe it also helps us keep ourselves in the love of God. That's why I, I, I threw verse 21 in there, because sometimes we need a little help with that. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And prophetically it's spoken of in Isaiah 28, 11 as the refreshing. We used to sing the song, this is the refreshing, praying in the spirit. And that's exactly what Isaiah prophesied, that there will be a time, time that God, and it's also mentioned again in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, that there would be a time that this is how God spoke to his people through stammering lips, and that it would be the refreshing. And so you can pray in the spirit for yourself to encourage and build up yourself, and I encourage you to do that. Number four, man, time flies when we're in here. I may have to put it, put it in high gear. Uh, power and boldness come. We just saw that with Peter, uh, the, the change in his personality. We talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about, was it Saul? Uh, King Saul that we talked about became another man. It, it, it changed how he functioned uh, when the spirit came on him. So Acts 1.8 out of the Amplified, it says, But you shall receive power, ability, might, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So it gave them this boldness and this power, and it gives you a boldness and power when you receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31, the guys are being threatened by the chief priest. And by the elders, and listen, y'all, we, we, we see religious leaders now. These religious leaders with the disciples and the apostles were, they had control. And, and they were tough. And when you crossed them, there was payment. And so they've cornered these guys. They've started walking in this power after they received the Holy Spirit. They started doing signs and wonders and miracles. And, and so now, you know, they were all torn up. Uh, the, chiefs, uh, the chief priests and the, the elders were all torn up about Jesus. Now they got herds of him. Now Jesus has multiplied himself. Now, the, now there's, there's men everywhere filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in this power and healing people and they are losing control and so they bring these guys in and they're questioning them and I'm sure it wasn't nice and they held them 
and questioned them. Acts 4, verse 31 out of the Amplified. It says, and when they had prayed, when, when they released them, they went and they immediately started praying. It says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. Now, they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. But you can read about, and I don't mean like the Holy Spirit fills you again, but he fills you again. <laughs> You're encouraged in him again. That anointing came on them again. And, and they built themselves up and that place shook. And they got that courage and that freedom and that boldness back from that experience. So I love that when Y'all can go back and study that. Number five, when you receive the Holy Spirit and you, you pray in the Spirit, you can be used in the nine gifts. And we're not going to study the nine gifts of the Spirit. They're found in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll study them at another time in detail. But these are gifts that are not, these aren't your gifts. These are ministry gifts. These, this is when the Holy Spirit needs to say or do something through you to minister to somebody else. And they're, they're called the nine gifts of the Spirit. And thank God for our children's church workers because when your kids come out of children's church, they know the nine gifts of the Spirit and they know what those nine gifts do. And they are by the, the direction of the Spirit. They're not at our will because... Look, if it was our will and we had control of working of miracles, you and I wouldn't be sitting in here tonight. We'd be right out there. If we had gifts of healings and we possessed gifts of healing, we would be out there. But we've got to know how to function in it so when Holy Spirit wants to do something, and this again is at his will, that we can hear him say, see that person sitting over there, say this to them, pray for them. You know, and that we can be sensitive. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we pray in tongues, it opens up uh, the nine gifts of the Spirit to be able to flow through us. Uh, that is the word of wisdom. You don't have to write these down. They're found in 1 Corinthians 12. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, uh, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So a lot of times when people read the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, they think that that is the only praying in the Spirit, is, is the gifts of the Spirit. But there is your personal private time, which you can read about in 1 Corinthians 14. But then there's also when it's used as a ministry gift. And that's when a word is given like for somebody else. And somebody will interpret that you or somebody else will interpret what that message was in tongues. We'll look at those in detail some other time. Number six. Speaking in tongues develops a sensitivity to hear God. It, it just develops a sensitivity to be able to hear God. We read it in uh, Acts 2.17, when the Spirit's poured out, then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And the Spirit comes first, and then you're able to hear what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to see. This is above our learning. This is above our personal experiences this is information, I'm going to say, that is hot off the press. Uh, it is from the Spirit. It is in the now. And it's uh, need-to-know information. And you get to hear it for yourself or you hear it for others. It's, it's an immediate knowing of things. You didn't conjure this up in your head. It wasn't from something you read on social media. 
it, it came from the Spirit. And uh, it will be a sensitivity to hear what God is saying. When this happened to the followers of Christ in Acts 4, the priest, when the priests and the elders were questioning them about the new power, um, it says in verse 13 of Acts 4 that when the, the, the chief priests and the elders saw the boldness and the unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools common to men with no educational advantages, they marveled and they recognized these guys have been with Jesus. They're not this smart, is what they were saying. They're not this smart. What they're saying did not come from them. This came from something higher. And I love Luke 12, 11, when Jesus is instructing them about when these things would happen, when they would start getting questioned and they would start getting pressured uh, by the chief priests and the elders and, and the, the government itself even. He said, um, he tells them, not to think how or what to answer. For the Holy Ghost will teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. That's hot off the press. Now, I would really like for God to tell me right now, so I can write it down, what I would need to say if a precious moment was coming. But he promises, Jesus promises them. This is Luke 12, 11. He says, don't think how or what to answer. He doesn't want them answering out of their experience, out of their knowledge, out of their pressure, out of their heads. He said, don't think about it, for the Holy Ghost will teach you in the same hour when you need it. It'll be that immediate knowing. They would know what to say. That's powerful. That's, that's a great benefit. That's why the language of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, we'll end on this one. We'll get ready to hear from y'all. Although I think I do have something else to read to y'all. Um, praying in the Spirit can provide you with a constant awareness, a constant availability of his presence in any situation. It truly goes along with what we just said. But isn't it good to know that God is walking with you? That's why Jesus sent him. In fact, he said, I'm going to send you another one just like me. Remember the Greek word? Allos parakletos. Yeah, any of y'all remember that? One of like kind. One just like me. Jesus said, I'm going to send one just like me. And I used to walk with you, but he's going to live in you. That's powerful. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. You have within you streams of living water. Streams, it's there, it's ready. Anything we need because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We're not waiting for some feeling. We're not waiting for some moment. We have streams of living water from within. That is the Spirit that fills us. 
man, I'm not going to read all this to y'all tonight. I have a couple of these copied off front and back. Also gave it, I sent it to you, Tanya, on your email. You've already got it on there? She's got it on the web under notes, but y'all are welcome to get these if you don't have access to that. I gave you Rick Renner, the, the Greek scholar. I gave him his word on John 7.38. Uh, it's pretty long, but it is excellent if you've questioned uh, and you need some normalization of tongues, of the language of the Holy Spirit. It is this, this whole section right here. And then I also put some quotes from Oral Roberts. And I loved this one. I will read this one. It's, it's from the Holy Spirit in the Now, Part 3. He says, Perhaps there is no greater gift that God gave man than the gift of language. The power to express himself from his inner self, his inner being, his spirit. Man walked and talked with God. Something terrible happened to man's speech, to his language, or his power to express himself. Before this, he had expressed himself clearly, naturally, and abundantly to God. God, in turn, responded to him. They had a perfect relationship, a fellowship that was so complete, and then suddenly, all of that was gone. For now, man is hiding. He's hiding from the very God whom he had walked and talked with. He's covering up. He now has an inhibition, a reluctance to face God. And all of this reluctance affects adversely his speech, his gift of language. We are now faced with the glorious prospect that our entire personality, spirit, mind, and body can be reintegrated. What we have lost, the gift of language, which originates in the spirit, can be restored. We can reach down into the inner recesses of our being and with our spirit start using our speech organ again and release a language which, according to Paul, is unto God in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. We can speak to God with the spirit or with the understanding. That's good. That's beautiful. That's not weird. That's not weird. That is beautiful. And I encourage you to get that and read it if you've battled in your mind about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. It is a beautiful, powerful language. And it's the language of the Holy Spirit, so it can't be bad. It can't be, it can't be of the devil. It just can't be of the devil. And we'll talk about more scriptures that, that have to do that maybe next week.